Good. Thank you, Lord. All right, let's just pray a minute and let me get calmed down here. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you today that this is a great day to celebrate. Every day is a great day, but we're particularly taking this time to think about all you've done for us. And we just want to be, we're just thankful, Lord. We just thank you that each one of us were people who needed a Savior, were dying in our sins, and we found the Savior. We found the Lord. We found a King. And I just just want to thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for saving me, Lord. Thank you for delivering me from a life that was I was going to die in, Lord. And just, Lord, we just want to remember you today and remember all you've done for us. And we don't want to take you for granted. We don't want to take all that you've done for us for granted. Thank you, Lord. Um, I wanted to share one thing before I started. Is we... Somebody said it maybe this morning. I don't remember if we said it this morning or not. But we went and heard a guy from Africa. Did somebody say something about that? Ah, Sarah. His name was Surprise. We went, heard him this Tuesday. We're going to get him here because the truth, I thought, I felt sorry for everybody who wasn't there. That's what I, I feel sorry for y'all. Y'all missed it. I felt so sorry. I'm going to get this guy here so you can hear him. But one thing that he said, I mean, golly, it was one of those meetings you felt convicted the whole time. That's the way I felt. The whole time I think, oh. I'm in trouble, Lord. Help me, God. Have mercy on me. But one thing he said, he, this guy's from Mozambique, and he's just a skinny black guy. That's really what he is. He's, he's not some big preacher guy. He's just a skinny black guy who, who grew up. And he said, this is what he said, and you could take this the wrong way, okay? But he said, this is about Americans. He, says, he, he said, y'all, Americans, y'all have got everything. You've got everything. But you are the most unhappy, complaining, and what else was it? No joy, no joy or, un, huh? No what? On, on medication. On medication, people on the face of the earth. That's <laughs> what so he said about it. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm just so guilty that I complain about things all the time. And it really makes you really realize that we are very blessed uh, today. And we really do have to really renounce that complaining heart. And, you know, we don't always get what we want when we want it. And, and we've, we're so blessed, though. Yeah. We're blessed today hugely. Amen. We really are. We're really blessed. And we as believers are doubly blessed because we know the Lord and the Lord is with us. And so that was just one of the many things that I felt convicted about when I was at that meeting. But this, it was really wonderful. Um, let me just read First Corinthians. All I'm doing today is reading my favorite Easter scriptures. That's what I'm doing. I have favorite ones that I love that always speak to me. I'm going to read First Corinthians 15, 1 through 5 to you. I believe the Lord wants to give us a download this morning. I think, uh, actually, you know, the name of my message is The Next Wave of Revival. That's, what it, that's really, really the title of it because I think God has something more for us. And I think you can find a little bit of it in what I'm going to share with you. But it says, this is Paul. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you, which also you receive. So that's number one. It's, it's number one, there has to be a preaching of the gospel. That's first step. <laughs> you know, the gospel is something that has to be released. Okay, and the second thing, it has to be received. 
Okay, and also you have to stand in it. Okay, that's the third thing. And that's how you come into salvation is by hearing it, receiving it, and standing in it. Okay, now that's really what he says right there. Hear it, receive it, and stand in it. And that results in salvation. And so if you are a person this morning who's heard the gospel preached, which you probably have if you're an American, and you received it at one time, but if you're not really standing in it today, you really need to repent, honestly. You need to really, Lord, help me. Have mercy on me. Uh, I want to get back in. And I'm not getting into all this once saved, always saved stuff. I'm just telling you what the Bible says right here. We need to really receive the Lord and stand in the Lord. Uh, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. And that's some pretty serious stuff. For I delivered to you as of first importance, as of first importance, what I also received. Now this is the, what Paul says, the, the most important thing. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And, see, he didn't just stop there. Now, that's really one of the keys that where God wants to bring us into greater revival is we as a church have, and Christians have a, many of us, and many times, many uh, expressions of the church, is we, we want to camp out at the foot of the cross. And that's a great place to camp out at. But God is calling the believers, we, we can't just stay at the foot of the cross. We have to move beyond the foot of the cross. We have to move beyond just forgiveness. Uh, we have to move beyond just Christ dying for us. And that really sounds almost bad to say just Christ dying. But, but, he, but Paul moved on from that. He died for our sins according to the Scripture and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas and then the twelve. So you see, there's a resurrection of Christ that... Is, the whole, is, is more of a complete message that we need as Christians. We need to be living on the other side of the cross. Amen? That's where we need to be living. And I, uh, one of the things that really helped me as a... It wound up helping me as a, as a Christian later. It didn't help me at the time. But when I was a kid, we had a relative who was in the Air Force, and he was a chaplain in the Air Force. And we went to the, visit them at the Air Force base where he was stationed. And the Air Force had one, uh, quote, church building, okay? And this building was for Catholics and Protestants. Now, if you've ever been around Catholics, you know they do things a little different than Protestants. We're Protestants, okay? We're not Catholics. Y'all know that. <laughs> We're not your normal Protestants, but we don't want to be normal. But they do things a little different, Catholics do. And so you walk into this, this church building, I'm calling it a church building for best I can know, and there were these nice decorative columns that you would immediately see as you walked in the front door. And as you walked on in, if you look to the back, as you walk past the column and look, you realize those columns on the other side were statues of people like Mary and different saints. So what they would do when the Protestants, they would turn them one way, okay, so you'd see them as just a nice column, but when the Catholic service came, they would turn them around the other way. You see what I'm saying? So you see, they weren't wasting no money. You know? They were efficient. They even had the little thing, you know, these were sprinkling kind of Christians. And you know, in a lot of churches, they have this little thing, and you open it, it has a little cross on the top, and you open it, and in it's a little pail of, a little pan with water in it. And they sprinkle babies, 
you know, and sprinkle people who were baptized. Well, the Catholics, that was what the process is. The Catholics used that was their holy water that they would sling on people. <laughs> you know, when they, I'm not sure how they do that holy water thing, but that, it was the same little thing. One was for baptism, one of them was the holy water to sling on people. But the thing that really got me was the, the cross that they had there on their altar. They had a cross, and on the Protestant side, it was the typical cross that we, all of us are, are, are aware of. But on the back side of that cross, for the Catholic side, it was a cross with Jesus hanging on it. Right? That's how the Catholic's cross is, is Jesus is hanging on the cross. Now, I'm not saying anything about what they believe about that. But I am saying to you, see, what we, when we look at the cross, when we come into the cross, that's what we see. We see our Lord hanging on the cross. And we need to see Him that way. We need to have a revelation of Christ as suffering and dying and hanging on that cross. But also we need to get beyond that, though. We need to go to the other side, so to speak, where He's not on the cross anymore. And He's not in the tomb anymore. See, that's the good news for us is He did hang on that cross. He did die. He was buried. But He's no longer there. And that's the good news for Christianity is, is we don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Savior. Because it really wouldn't do us much good if He was dead, would it? So really what, what God wants to do is He wants to take us beyond where we're at. And see, see this is the mindset of most human beings is we come to a place in God that we like. Okay? And, and we tend to want to just stay there. And that's why a lot of whole you know, denominations are built around Christ hanging on the cross. They're built around on just on getting your sins forgiven. And, and that's wonderful. You know, because we really need that. But God, and I believe God has given certain people groups and denominations, He's given them a specific call to preach that message. You know what I'm saying? That's really one of their great callings is to let people know that Christ died. But He hasn't called us to live there. He's called us to go beyond that. So, and that's really how I believe we come into the, to the next things of God. And I also believe it's how we... I found in my own personal life, just in experiencing God and experiencing moves of God, is the thing that I feel like that has always knocked me out personally. Okay? is God would begin to move, and it would be really good. And I would enjoy it so much that I, that's what I wanted. I kept trying to get that same experience over and over and over. And God wasn't in the experience anymore. The experience was wonderful, but He didn't stay in it. It's like He wants to move us along. He doesn't stay in one place in a very long time. That's just His nature. He, he likes to move on. He's a, he's a, he's a, a God of motion. And, you know, that's why they say a lot of churches become museums is because instead of movements. Because they stop somewhere, you know, some, around some truth and just park there. And I think that's a danger for every church. I wanted to read John 20 um, and starting at whatever verse I'm supposed to start at. I, 11? 8? Is that where it's at? I'm going to read it from my Bible. Y'all like, do y'all have a Bible? Yeah. <laughs> All right, John 20, verse 8. It says, uh, so they had came, this is a story, they had came to the tomb, to the empty tomb. This is Easter. This is what happened on the first Easter, so to speak. Okay? What we call Easter. And uh, they had come, you know, Peter and, Peter and John had gotten there and, 
the Lord wasn't there, which was good news, but they kind of were befuddled by it. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered. That would be John. And, and he saw and believed. Okay, for as yet... Now this is what I want to just hit on this for a minute. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. So... Now, here's the thing, okay, that God wants to... This is, this is sort of a side subject, but this is really important. Is, uh, you know, the Bible says in Romans ten seventeen, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God or hearing the Word concerning Christ. A lot of people take that. Everybody takes it like this. I mean, I have never met anybody who never took that. And, and that, if you hear preaching or if you read the Scriptures, it's going to release faith to you. And that's not really what it says. It says faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the Word. So what the Word does, the Word helps us activate the spiritual hearing that God's given us. That's what it does. Do y'all understand that? That's why we need to be in the Word. Because it helps activate, cultivate, and develop the spiritual hearing that God's given us so we can hear God speak to us and when we hear God speak to us, that's when our faith gets released. Do y'all hear that? Now, that really should make you want to read the Bible. It really should. I mean, it does me. Because I want to hear God. How many want to hear God this morning speak? Everybody does. Every Christian does. Every, I mean, even if you're a cohort of Christian, you would like to hear God speak to you. And this is one of the reasons God has given us the Scriptures is to help us develop that spiritual ear that He's given us already. We all have a spiritual ear. But it's, sometimes it's just un, an untrained or unexercised ear. And that's what the Scriptures do. But you can see with these guys... Oh, God. Um, you know, they were there. They didn't understand. They had no revelation. Even though Jesus had told them specifically that He was going to die and be buried, and was going to rise. And he had told them that, but see, they didn't get it. So a lot of times we read the Scriptures or hear stuff preached, but we don't get it. It's just like, you know, and that's the way they were. So they just went home discouraged and disappointed. That's, that's what they did. But then it says, uh, but Mary, now this is Mary Magdalene, okay? Everybody who knows Mary Magdalene is. She was, Mary Magdalene was a very powerful person in the Scripture. There were several Marys in the Scripture. She was a very powerful one because it says that she was a sinner. That's a pretty powerful person who was a sinner. But it was talking about that she was a woman who was like a probably, you know, most people think she was a prostitute, Mary Magdalene. That's what she was. And she met the Lord, and the, and, it's, and the Bible tells us that the Lord got seven demons out of her. She had seven demons in her. And the Lord delivered her from seven demons. And also, the Bible tells us there was a group of women who followed Jesus around, and these women actually financed Jesus' ministry. And Mary Magdalene was one of those women who had... had you see, we, we, we have this fairytale view of, this, of the gospel sometimes. We don't realize that Jesus ate and slept and had to move around just like everybody else did. And it wasn't all, you know, you know breaking the bread and feeding five or 6,000 people. On a personal level, he had people helping him buy bread. He had a group of women helping him buy his food. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? So she was sort of an important person. So here she is. She's at the tomb 
All the guys were gone, and she's the only one left. I think that's, that's pretty good. She was standing outside the tomb weeping because she loved the Lord. It was, I mean, she really had a great love for the Lord Jesus because He had saved her life and gotten her out of a life of deep sin. And she, you know, the Bible says, He who is forgiven much loves much. And she knew she had a lot to love because she had been forgiven a bunch. And, as, uh, and so as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. So, you know, there's a benefit for a person when you get disappointed and discouraged. Okay? And a lot of people get disappointed and discouraged and they just quit so easy. They just give up so easy. Just go home. Because things didn't work the way you thought. But she didn't do that. She, she, she waited. I mean, because she, she had this heart towards the Lord. I mean, she really loved Him. So she, and the Lord let her see these angelic beings set, sitting in there. Where all the guys saw, they didn't see Him. All they saw was just, you know, an empty tomb, which was great in itself. But she was seeing more. And God wants us to see more. He really does. And there... He wants to see more of his world. And they said to her, in fact, they were talking to her. She was talking to angels. <laughs> this is pretty good, isn't it? Talking to angels. Mercy, Lord, this woman don't need to be in the Bible. She's hearing voices and seeing things. Woman, <laughs> woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. That's why she was weeping. It was just out of a just a, just love for the Lord. And I believe lots of times that what God wants to do is He wants us to love Him. And He gives us the love to love Him. But I believe, because here's the thing, God, we've got to get the Lord's more committed to us than we are to Him. That's the, that's the point. God is way more committed to us than we will ever be to Him. And he, it, the Bible says we love Him because He loved us. He first loved us. And I believe what God wants us to do is release that love you know, and I believe when we do, I think that's one of the keys for the supernatural world to be open to us. Yeah. This woman, the supernatural world opened to her simply because she just loved the Lord and wasn't willing to quit when things didn't work out the way she wanted them to. It was all based on this desire and love for this person of Jesus Christ. And because the Lord, you know, we all can have that. I believe because we all have been loved. We all have love in us, and because we have it in us, we have the capacity to love. And that's, that's, I think that's just really one of the things the Lord wants to release into the church now in the next wave of revival. This is a love revival. And I believe that's why the, the heavens are, are going to be open and revealed to us. Um, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. Now that's the thing that I think we need to really get in our hearts this morning about the Lord moving. The Lord can show up and we don't know it. Think about it. Well, I just said, this woman deeply loved the Lord. Here's this person that delivered her from seven demons. She followed him around, giving her money. It said they gave their personal money. I mean, she was pouring her personal money into this thing. Was there, you know, at the tomb the first moment she could be there because she loved him so much. And here he is, he shows up, and she don't even recognize him. Now that's amazing, isn't it? And that's really what happens many times with us in our lives and what has happened in the church. The Lord shows up, 
And we may really love Him and we cry out to Him, Lord, please show up. Please move in the church. And He's standing right there and we don't even recognize He's there. We don't recognize Him when He shows up because He doesn't show up according to our, you know, what we would determine He should. You know, He really doesn't. He shows up the way He desires to. And so He fools us in a sense. Not that He's trying to fool us. That's just the way God is. And you're going to find if you're going to really go with God, He's going to appear to you in different forms and where you won't recognize Him. You hear what I'm saying to you? That's just the way He is. I mean, I don't know. I wish He wasn't that way, but, you know. But that's just the way He seems to operate. You know, people miss the move of the Lord. People miss revivals. They miss it. They miss God, the very thing they're asking for. What was it? Andrew Murray, the great South American, he preached and prayed for revival for years. And revival broke out in South America. No, not South America. South Africa. Andrew Murray. Y'all, know, y'all should know about him. He's written many books. Revival broke out. The very revival that he had taught about, preached about, prayed about for years, and he said, this can't be God. That was the great man... This cannot be too God. You know why? Because they were very loud and boisterous Africans. They were just too loud. And he just said, this can't be. This is out of order. This is too loud and disorderly. And fortunately, because he was a, he was a true man and he was a, a teachable person, he humbled himself and was able to get in on the move of God that he had actually prayed for. And that's really what, that's just common. That's what we will all do. We will all miss him. Because he'll show up in a way that we don't expect. And we'll say, no, this can't be the Lord. This can't be God. This, I don't like this. Or this is not the way I know God to be. And he says, guess what? <laughs> it is me. It's me. You just don't recognize me. And I think that's really what we have to do. If we really want to see the next wave of revival, it's probably going to come in a way that we don't expect it to. And we have to be willing to receive the Lord while Roy shows up. And this is really interesting. And, he, and when she had, you know, Jesus said to her, verse 15, Woman, why are you weeping? Just remember when the Lord asks you a question, He's not looking for information. <laughs> you know, whom are you seeking? This is interesting. This, this right here. It really is. Those are like Jesus' first words as a resurrected person. You know, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? I mean, that may be something the Lord's trying to ask the church today. Well, you know, who are you, who are you seeking? I mean, are you, you know, who are the, what are we doing? You know, I mean, are we really seeking the Lord? Are we seeking something else? I mean, I don't know. I mean, sometimes I don't think I'm seeking the Lord, honestly. I, I get so caught up in what I'm doing, I think I'm seeking that. I realize I'm seeking something that's ridiculous. But I'm seeking something that's going to come to an end. And I'm not seeking a person who will never come to an end, who has everything. Have you ever felt that way? Or am I the only person who seems to have a backsliding heart sometimes? (laughs) Get caught up in stuff, thinking this is a ticket. And it's not. Supposing him to be the gardener. So you see, he was like a gardener, which is not a very powerful person. 
She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. See, she's really talking to him, wanting to go find him, and he's looking like just an old gardener guy. Be careful when the gardener shows up at the door. <laughs> I know a guy one time to me when the Lord first started moving that years ago. Well, not, but he was moving and people were getting into laughter. Remember laughter? People were on the floor laughing. This guy said, well, if that's the only way God can show me that he loves me, that's just ridiculous. That's what he said to him. I thought, well, daggone. You know. If God wanted to do that, I mean, have you ever had a child that you got them on the floor and tickled them? I mean, most parents do that at some point to their little children. I would like to do it to my old children sometimes. Because <laughs> I don't look at them as old. I still look at them like little kids. And they get mad at you for looking at them like that. <laughs> but the Lord does want to love people. And, and so you see, He came like that, tickling people's stomachs. And they were laughing and having a grand time. And people rejected it. And it was God the Father trying to love His child. And people reject it because they'd never seen anything like that. That's bad. Mercy, Mercy yeah. And, and Jesus said to her, Mary, and see, that's what we need. Lord, please speak to us. Please speak to me, Lord. Please don't leave me to myself, Lord. Please don't leave me to my natural thinking, Lord. Please speak to my heart. Say my name where I know, oh, that's Him. It's the Lord tickling my stomach. It's not just some foolishness. Please speak to me, Lord. Let me know it. And see, I think if we take that kind of heart, the Lord will reveal Himself. He'll listen. Oh, this is me. You're just an old hard-headed guy. You're going to be okay. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabona, which means teacher. And I was thinking about this after the first service, about all that the Lord taught that lady. Can you imagine following Jesus around and hearing His teaching? He taught her about how to be free from demons. He obviously taught her about how to be generous because she gave. You know, he taught her a lot of stuff, so she really saw him as somebody who had a great teaching. I mean, he was the teacher. And that's really how she responded to him, which I'm not sure why she did that. Maybe that was the part of Jesus that she loved the most, was the teacher. You know, because there's always there's parts of Jesus, there's parts of God that we love the most. Some people love the worship the most, right? Some people love praying, you know, the ministry time the most. Some people love preaching the most. Everybody loves something. Some people love the intercession the most. And maybe that's just how we see the Lord that way. Some people love the, you know, being, you know, being on the mission field the most or being a witness in, you know, evangelism the most. And maybe, maybe sometimes we just see God like that, and that's the only way we see God. We don't see Him in other things. We don't see Him when He appears in other ways. Maybe those kinds of things hurt us from being able to see God when He comes in different ways. That we get so fixated on one way that we miss Him when He comes another way. I don't know. But anyways, this is great. Uh, Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me. Okay, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my... Well, we'll stop right there. We, I want to talk to the clean. See, that's the thing that I think will hinder us. Now, I want you to get this. This woman was clinging to Jesus. Now, that sounds good, doesn't it? Right? I mean, would you be clinging to Him? Put yourself in her situation. Here she is weeping because His body is gone, wanting to get His body and make sure His body was taken care of. 
Okay? Just wanting to do that so bad. And then he shows up alive. Would you not cling to this person? I mean, I would have been all over him if I felt that way about him. He would have had a... I would have been like glue on him. I'm like, you know, stink on doo-doo. You know? (laughs) That's the way I would have been. He couldn't have shook me. But it seems like he was like, stop! Now, this is not just because he didn't want people touching him. Because in Matthew 28, it says there were some women who fell down at his feet and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. And he seemed to be happy with that. And he even told Thomas, hey, Thomas, put your hand in here. It wasn't that he didn't want to be touched. It was the clean thing that the Lord, it's that thing when God does something and God is coming in one way and we grab a hold of that and we won't let go of Him. And we just, we've got a grip on Him. Like, this is the way, this is how God's revealed Himself to me. And He is just desperately trying to get you off of Him. That's what he was doing. Just you gotta get off. You can't relate to me no more like this. This this is what I was before the cross. I'm different now. You've got to find me in a different way. You can't hold on to that yesterday. And that's what a lot of us do though. And that's what stops the move of God in our life. Oh, this is how the Holy Spirit comes. Oh yeah, I'm hanging on to that. And he don't come like that. We miss him. Are y'all seeing what I'm saying to you? I shared this morning about the Klingons I used to have when I was young and had hair. You know, what the girls that really like guys and you don't want them. Now, y'all men all know about that, right? And he does. Of course he does. <laughs> Actually, it's the girls that talk about Klingons. They're guys who, that, that like them. I'm talking about single people now. Guys that like them, but they don't like, you know, we don't like that guy. I wish he'd leave me alone. Stay away from me, you know. And that's really sort of what the picture I got in my mind when I was reading it. Because it really, some translations use touch, but it's clean. And, you know, it's clean. And the Lord was saying, no clinging. You can't hold on to what I was. You can't hold on to how it was. You can't. We can't hold on to how God moved. When God says, I'm moving on, we need to move on with Him. And we need to find out how God wants to express Himself, and we need to bow ourselves to that immediately. Or we'll miss what He's doing. And the key thing is, just, Lord, this is what you're doing today, this is what we're doing today. Whether we understand it or not, whether even we are like it or not. Because the Lord obviously loved this woman. She was a powerful woman. And then... And actually, well, let me just go ahead and say this. Uh, This is the most powerful verse here that Jesus was saying. Stop clean, for I have not yet ascended. You see, there was something else that the Lord was wanting to get through too. Is a part of the gospel message is the ascension of Christ. Is Him going to heaven and sitting down on the right hand of the Father. And what? And when He did. When he got to heaven, he poured the Holy Spirit out. See, that was really important. See, Jesus wasn't finished here. His, his task of salvation was not complete. Because apart from the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be saved. So, and that's why he calls the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father. The promise. The number one promise. It's not just a promise or one promise among many. It's the promise of the Father. 
And so when Jesus got to heaven, the first thing He did was He poured the Holy Spirit out on the earth. And that's why the Holy Spirit is so important to us. It's, it's, his, it's his Spirit. And that's why one of the things he was trying to say is, well, listen, I'm not finished yet. This story is not done. You can't hold I've got more things to do. I've got to get to the Father so I can pour this Spirit out. And the reason being is this famous uh, verse right here. Um, I ascend to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And see, that's the first time in the Bible where God became our Father. It wasn't no longer... I'm, I'm talking about Father. He's our Father. This, this is the most important thing here, is for us to get a revelation that God, as God as our Father, and that we're His children, we're His sons and daughters. And, God, and that's what He did when He poured the Holy Spirit out. That released that spirit of adoption into the earth to bring us into the family. And everybody in this room, if you're saved, you're in the family. You're part of God's family. That's the, one, that's, that's the good news to me. I mean, that really is the good news. Is we're, we're part of the family. The God of, who, of all creation is my personal Father. He's not just Jesus' Father. He's my Father. And I'm His Son. And that will set, that's the most, one of the most liberating truths there is. When we really get it. See, most, I think a lot of people in this, probably sitting here this morning, you believe it. But it's not a reality in your heart. Because it, when it becomes a reality in your heart, when the spirit of adoption gets released into your life the way He wants to be released, it will change your life. It'll take away the insecurity. It'll take away the low self-image. It'll take away all the stupidity that we live with in this earth. It really is good. Does anybody here... Everybody close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Does anybody here... Tell the truth this morning. Does anybody here lack in that area of their life? Raise your hand. Lord, I just pray for everybody who's raised their hand right now. The truth is, you are the Father. And I pray, Spirit Adoption, you get on them more. And they would know you as Father. And you would break that cycle in them of, that leads them into sin and leads them into insecurity and low self-esteem and all the other things that are attached, that poverty spirit. Lord, I just pray you'd break it off of them right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I invite you, Spirit of Adoption, come on them more and touch them, Lord, and help them to know that Jesus died so we could have a relationship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. Amen. You can open your eyes back now. Y'all okay? Anyways, it says, Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he said these things to her. I have seen the Lord. I want to just to tell you this about the women thing. Is the first person to see Jesus Christ raised from the dead was Mary Magdalene. As a woman. Okay? The first person who preached the first message of a resurrected Christ was a woman. Sent to the guys. Go to my brother. Go tell those guys that are discouraged and they've gone home. My preachers, my apostles. You know, go send this woman <laughs> to go tell them the truth. And she did, a woman. And we think women can't preach and do stuff. And it's crazy. We think Paul did away with something Jesus. It's not true. Paul helped explain it, but he never did away. If he did, Jesus would have never done this. I mean, he just, Jesus didn't do crazy stuff most of the time. I mean... 
So we really have to see that that's a very important truth. And you said that, didn't you? Sarah said it. All right. I'm about done. Y'all okay? Well, all right. Here's the. If we. All right. Let me give you this one little thing, okay, here. How many in here like to study church history? Raise your hand. That's good. Good. One of the. I really encourage people to study church history. The reason being, you can see what the Lord's doing in church history. Okay? I particularly like studying revivals, you know, in church history. Here's something. All right, I've said some of this before, but I'm going to say it one more time this morning. If you go back to the 1500s, there was a guy named Martin Luther who was a reformer. Everybody knows about old Martin, right? I'm not talking about Martin Luther King. I'm talking about Martin Luther. He had no king. But what, this is what Martin, he was a Catholic guy. Okay? And in those days, people did not get saved by faith, which means they didn't get saved. People would crawl on their knees and do all kinds of crazy stuff to get saved. Okay? So what Martin Luther, he brought this truth. He had, there was a revival that he brought into the church. And this is what the revival was, simply this, salvation by faith. That was a revival in the church because the Dark Ages had taken away... What was that dude's name, the Roman emperor? Constantine, Constantine had just destroyed the church, basically. made it an institutional church and, and took away some truths. And one of the truths that we lost was salvation by faith. And that's what, really what Martin Luther did was help restore that truth back to the church. And people for year, for hundreds of years... That, that was a move of God. But, but people, if somebody came to you today and said, uh, Sarah, I want to get saved. Can you help me? She said, oh, easy. Right? Yeah. If I really want to get saved, it's easy to get somebody saved. We don't think anything about it. Right? right? But back in those days, if somebody wanted to get saved, even after this truth came, it was not an easy thing to get them, get them saved. It really wasn't. They had to do something that Jude 3 says, contend earnestly for the truth. And it took a long time for people to come to a place where salvation... And we think it's crazy now. Okay? We, we think that's ridiculous. But the church didn't have salvation by faith. And then back... Now this is the simplified version. Back around 1906, 4 or 7 or something like that, there was a thing where the Holy Spirit got released widespread into the body of Christ. It was what we call the Pentecostal revival. So you see, the Lord was, was restoring something, salvation by faith, and that was a, a revival. And it's a move of God that has continued this day, and we're living in it. And then these people that had a hunger for God, they were poor people, okay, mostly, and they were... Mixed race people, or black people, white people, they got together and the Holy Spirit fell on those people in a powerful way. And there was this revival called the Azusa Street Revival where men began to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit became a reality in their life where they, He had not been a reality in a broad sense in most people's lives because that had been taken away from us robbed from us and the Lord was restoring that and that move of God went on up through into like in the 40s and 50s of something called Latter Rain which the Latter Rain people were saying they were just a part of that earlier move and that's where a lot of the healing movement started and then in the 60s they had what they call a charismatic move to start 
where it, the gifts of the Spirit got released more and more into denominational churches, into lots of people. A lot more people got connected in what God was doing. And, you know, that was, in, you know, then like in, it went on in the 60s and 70s and the 80s. The prophetic move really got really released to the body of Christ where more and more people were prophesying. I mean, it just became, you know, God was trying to restore truths. These were revivals. These were moves of God. Then in the 90s, there was Toronto. Y'all remember Toronto? The Toronto blessing or what John Arnold said, it was the Father's blessing. It was a revelation of the Father heart of God being released to the church because the church didn't know the Father. And, and, and the Lord was trying to, trying to release a knowledge of the Father to the people of God. And so people begin to experience God as Father and intimacy with God. Before that, there was no teachings on the intimacy of God back in the 70s and 80s. Very little. I mean, there was individuals here and there, maybe a church here and there that had some revelation on this God as Father, but the body of Christ as a whole didn't. And that's really what that did. People, you know, have rejected all these moves. Every one of them have been rejected by sincere Christians. And God was trying to restore something to the body of Christ, to His people. And see, what we do, we reject all that stuff because we don't understand it. It don't come like the Pentecostal guy who was very influenced by Azusa Street may would reject the charismatic move. They maybe would reject the, the, the Father's blessing because it doesn't look because they're clinging to something. They have that Mary Magdalene spirit on them holding on to something God did. Not that he ever quits doing that. Not because he ever he don't quit. He just keeps moving. There's still a move of salvation by faith. There's still a move of the outpouring of the spirit. Still a prophetic move, and the Father's heart still being released to the people. He's adding to it. But there's another move. There's another thing that God wants to do. I believe this move will bring in, and that move will be, I think, a greater revelation of Jesus Himself. Because, see we, now, see, we think we know the Lord Jesus. And we do on some level, but I don't think we know Him the way He really is. I don't, you see what I'm saying? I know this sounds sort of foreign to you, but I, I really believe that's going to be God's next wave of revival. He's going to reveal Jesus Christ like we've never seen Him. And that's going to be the thing that's going to change, change us. If we are going to see this glorious King and how great He is and how wonderful He's going to release a revelation of Himself into the church. And that's when the glory is going to come. Because He's the one who has the glory. We talk about the glory. It's going to come. The Lord's going to release that. He really is going to release the knowledge of His glory, which is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, into the church. I believe. I believe that is God's next move of God that's going to come. The next wave of revival. But we really had to get that Mary Magdalene mindset taken off of us um, that we just know Him the way, he, way we know Him today. He wants to reveal Himself to us in a new way, in a fresh way. He really does. We have not exhausted God. We have not found the end of God. We've not found the end of who He is and what He's like. Mm, how dare us to even think and to be so arrogant that God shows up in a different way that it can't be God. That's, a, that's the ultimate arrogancy of man. That is not what God wants us to do. Are y'all okay? Yeah. All right, here we're done. I'm going to read this last communion scripture to you.
because I like this one. This is my, I told you I was reading my favorite scriptures. Matthew 26, 26 through 28. Is it hot in here, to y'all? It says, while they were eating, everybody say eating. Jesus took some bread, and after blessing, after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Okay? That's what the Lord wants us to do, is eat his body. Okay? And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And so in the cannibal cult, everybody knows what cannibals are. The cannibal culture, uh, there are cultures of cannibals in Africa. And this is what they believe. Cannibals believe this. Cannibals believe if you eat somebody, you get the essence of who they are. Okay? You get the essence of who they are. So, if I was to, if we thought, man, we really like Marlon. Okay? We really would like to be like Marlon. And we were cannibals. We would kill Marlon and fry his hide and eat him, believing that once we did that, we would get who Marlon is in us. I know that sounds gross. Yeah. But the truth is, that's what Jesus wants us to hear this morning. When we partake, eating his flesh, drain his blood, we are saying to him, you're already in me. You're in me. And who you are is who I am. Y'all get that? His essence is in us. And it wants to exude itself out of us. That's the truth. So that's why he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And do this in remembrance. Every time you do it, you know, remember what I've done for you. That I've made a way for you. And I have made you sons and daughters. And, and who I am, you are. Who I am, you are. And when you really take him into you. So that's what we're going to do, communion.